Even before the car service came to carry him to the airport for his trip, Michael Stuyvesant suspected he was making a mistake. Last-minute travels and unplanned visits were not entirely unknown in the family. His older cousin Amy was famous for descending on her relatives unannounced, trailing caravans of luggage, the latest of her handsome young friends, and a cloud of smoke from the cigars she affected. Nieces and nephews would stop over unexpectedly on their drives up to college or down to the beaches for spring break, desperate for a bed. But a greater decorum was generally expected of the more settled members of the family, a longer period of notice, a politer, more stately sense of time. His son and daughter and their families would be startled, even disturbed, to see him in Denver for Christmas, only two months before they were all scheduled to meet on a skiing trip to Switzerland. The trouble was that he did not know how he would be feeling by February. Not well, he imagined, with his doctors predicting no more than six months left to him. And he could not bring himself to tell his children over the phone. Oh, getting documents signed, making arrangements, those were the ostensible reasons for the sudden trip. But really, he knew, it boiled down to sentimentality. He simply felt unable to blurt it out to their disembodied presence down a telephone line. And the truth was he wanted to see them, visit with his grandchildren, one more time while he was still feeling reasonably strong and stable. At the end, he suspected, he would want mostly to be alone. So he packed with precision a small suitcase. Or rather, since he had always been a precise man in life's little things, he now packed with even more precision than usual, squaring the corners of his pressed shirts and boxer shorts as he set them, just so, in the brown leather case. Interesting, he thought, how dying concentrates the mind. Of course, as the old joke ran, there is not much gain from it, since what dying concentrates the mind on is mostly the fact that one was dying. But even that was not entirely true. He watched his hands, his long, always clever fingers, fastening the buckles of the suitcase with a kind of quick, controlled exactitude. And he understood that such motions seemed fascinating only because they were to be repeated so few times before, before, before the end. He paused and leaned in exhaustion over the suitcase for a moment, cursing himself. The cancer had physically weakened him, he knew, and the ineffective medicines had drained another portion of his strength. But that should not have been enough to make him weak in mind as well. To make him tremble like this. He had known since he was a child that he would die. He had been reared by that long tradition of his family to tell no lies and fear no future. And now he lacked the simple strength to face his own death with the equanimity and confidence of his ancestors. He arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, and he sat down under a juniper tree and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. Where was that from? The book of Kings, probably. The prophet Elijah fleeing the wrath of Jezebel. Ah, well, he thought with a half-smile of self-mockery, I am no prophet, and I doubt an angel will come to me.
Michael rose and went down the stairs to eat a little something before the car came, listening to the voices of his housekeeper and gardener squabbling in the pantry. In the event, the trip west proved smooth, at least at the start. The car to the regional airport and waiting for him, the small jet whose time his secretary had rented from a consortium of his less respectable clients, including Harry King, the reputed drug lord, whose accountants had recently approached him for tax advice. Michael had planned to turn King's people down, not wanting to touch that soiled wealth. And since he was paying for the jet's time, he did not feel he owed them any favor. Besides, he observed grimly, he was not likely to be around long enough for them to insist. Michael ran his finger along the pampered arm of soft leather on his seat as the plane trundled down the runway.